Wonderful. We're going to get right in the Word this morning. I want you to take your Bibles. I'm going to preach to you. I stayed up till about one or so in the morning uh, crafting this, so uh, if it doesn't quite flow, uh, you'll have, have to forgive me. I felt very strongly about sharing the Word this morning, and uh, just briefly today, Malachi chapter 2. If you're an Italian, you might pronounce that Malachi, but... Pastor Karen, my Norwegian-Italian wife, finished, pardon me. How many of you have been getting blessed and touched? Would you put up Malachi chapter 2, verse 14 to 16 on the screen, please? And uh, I want to talk to you just for a brief moment before Dr. Gannon comes and gets into the book. Now, we do have books available uh, two for ten. As I understand it, it's pretty much the same book, except one has uh, the scriptures, uh, biblical references uh, for all of you Christians, <laughs> which I thought was very funny last night. We got touched last night. It's wonderful, powerful time. Look at all that. I think every hand, every hand in the room just went up. Isn't that wonderful? Malachi. Uh, I want to read from the New International Version, if you would please. Malachi chapter 2, verse 14. Let's all stand for the reading of the word. We do have notes for you. Read verses 14 through 16. In the New International Version, let's read the word of the Lord. You ask why? It is because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth. You've been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant, verse 15. Has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. So be on your guard. Everybody say that. So be on your guard. And do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. Final verse, verse 16. The man who hates and divorces his wife says the Lord, the God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect, says the Lord Almighty. So be on your guard. Everybody say that. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you're going to do this morning in, the, in the, the preaching of the Word of God, Lord, not only in this first session, but in the sessions to follow. May we be forever changed by the Word. It's a lamp unto a feet, a light upon our path. We thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We have uh, just been through quite a battle, although I'm battles far from over, but a battle over what they're calling traditional marriage, and now the Supreme Court stepping out of its role, uh, voting on a federal level, uh, giving its approval of same-sex marriage is a grievous thing. And we at the Church of the Living God need to stand up and proclaim and declare, model, preach and teach what marriage is. There's an attack on marriage, and there has been for a long time. 
If you're looking at your notes, how many of you got notes this morning? All right. If you didn't get them, would you raise your hand? You didn't get a copy of notes. Can we help them out? Thank you so much. You just take a moment to fill that in as we move along. If you look in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27, if you'd put that up, Genesis 1 and 27, it says very clearly that God has created man. Genesis 1 and 27. We're going to look at a bunch of scriptures. I'll need your help on the screen, my anointed brethren. was evening and there was morning the third day so God created mankind in his own image in the image of God he created the male and female it's very important I mean that is a bold statement in this hour where so many people are being political there are men and there are women and that's that's it and God creates men and he creates women and we are significantly different Genesis chapter 2 now Genesis 2 Excuse me. 21. 221. So the Lord God created man. Pardon me. The Lord God caused man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the ribs, man's ribs, closed up the place of the flesh. Verse 22. And the Lord God made woman from the rib that he'd taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. He brought her to the man. Verse 23. And the man said, now this is a Hebrew idiom, and it is a very powerful, powerful idiom. Understand what's happened is that man has now been appointed by God to tend and to keep. Shamar is the Hebrew word, tend and keep the garden. In fact, uh, as I've spoken so many times before, it's really the first reference that there's a, something wrong in the garden, that man would, he placed man in the garden to tend and to keep it. The word keep is shamar. It's a, it's, it's a watchman. It's, it's, there's something wrong. So be on your guard. So you're in the, the man's in the garden, and he names all of the animals, all of the fish, all of the plants. I mean, it's just, just tremendous authority that God has given man. But there's no suitable helpmate for him. And help meet is what the King James says, really a better translation, in that there's no, no one to, to be a partner, to complete him, um, if you will. And so God takes one of the ribs. I, I remember preaching along those lines and talking about how men have one less rib than, than a woman, but it's, it's not true. In, in that meeting I was in, I talked to a doctor. Thank you if you crack it for me. That'd be great. And so I said, doctor, isn't it true that man has, in fact, we have a doctor here today. Doc, doc isn't it true that man has one less rib than a woman? And the answer is no, it's not true. So anyway, I moved on to the next point quickly. As quickly as I could, I moved on. And um, so he brings, come on, say he brings woman to the man. And, and, and Adam freaks out. That's what this is. This is Adam and lost his mind. And the man looks and it's like, I mean, if you look at a fish and then you look at your wife, fish wife. 
Now, if you have a deep attraction to a fish more than your wife, you need healing. We'll be taking care of that in the later sessions this morning. You look at an elephant. You look at a, a bird. You look at a reptile. You look at, you look at some created four-footed, hoofed, chew-from-the-cud type. I mean, come on. And you look at your wife. Obviously, woman is different. Some of you are like trying to get yourself in trouble. Gotta watch out around here. He comes out. Go ahead, put the scripture back up. Just leave it up unless I tell you to take it down. So the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman. For she was taken from man. He sees her and he freaks out. I mean, it, it, that statement is so strong. It's like, Whoa! This is now bone of my bone. It's, it's, in a, it's an exclamation point. And he's excited, to say the least. It's God's plan. You see, marriage between man and a woman is, is sacred. Say it with me. It is a sacred thing. It is something created by God. God created it. And that's really, this is really the first marriage. It's God's plan. Say it. It's God's plan. Marriage is God's plan. Now that's important to know. It's not just some thing that we do so we can, you know, I, I don't believe in justice of the peace. I, I mean, I, I had one couple number of years ago, they, you know, they realized that they were in sin and they've got a baby on the way. And so they're going to go get, they said, well, we're just going to go to the justice. Why would you do that? I'll marry you right now. <laughs> you know, it's, there's a better easier, healthier way to do it. But praise God. They, but you go and get the justice of the peace. I just, for what? If you know the Lord. If you don't know the Lord, okay, fine. But if you know the Lord, that's different. And it must be honored. I mean, these, these are the early beginnings of humanity. <clears throat> the very, the very, I mean, this is, come on, this is Genesis 2. The, very, the beginning of humanity, there's marriage. And it must be honored. Everybody say, it must be honored. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, marriage must be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. See, it's important to see that God, marriage needs to be honored. It's not supposed to be something that's done on a whim. It's not supposed to be something that's just, you know, serial marriages, where it doesn't work out, and then you get another one. That, that, that's, that's not the way it should be. It's not, it, is, it's, it is a legal thing, but it's before that. It's before God, before all of that. Now, the laws of the land we need to submit to until they start breaking God's law. Then, you know, then there's a higher law at work talking about authority. Therefore, we've got to be thankful for the gift that God has given us and our spouses. Everybody say, be thankful for your spouse. All right, now I know we've got single people here. I know that we have widowed people here. I know that we have divorced people here. And I know that we have those that are married or maybe remarried. Or maybe remarried the second, third, maybe fourth time. But it's very important that we understand marriage covenant. And if you're single or you're divorced uh, and you're here, I'm not, I'm not picking on you. I, I was divorced it was prior to getting saved. Some of you know my story. Maybe I'll talk a little bit about that in the next 20 minutes that I preach to you. 
But you need to understand, as a married couple, be thankful for the gift that God has given you and your spouse. Well, you don't understand it. No, stop. You need to stop and, and learn to be thankful. Well, she said that he never picks up his... You need to learn to be thankful. Ladies, God has given you a gift in your husband. Come on, Pastor Karen. Men, God has given you a gift in your spouse. Amen. Amen. You know, I have known people that have that have prayed for years that they'd be able to be married again. And then I see people that God has given them a spouse but they're not even thankful for that spouse. Listen, be thankful for the spouse. Be thankful for your spouse. Let's look at our text. Look at our text. They're crying out for God's help. And he says, he says, forget it. I'm not going to help you. I mean, I'm just making it plain. They're crying out for God's intervention in Malachi chapter 2 now is what we're looking at. And he says, I'm, I'm not going to take you. I'm not going to help you because you've not taken seriously the marriage covenant. Wow. You, you can't read Malachi 2 and the verses that we read and not think about 1 Peter 3, 7. So put, put 1 Peter 3, 7 up on the screen. It says, I'm not going to help you because you have not taken seriously the marriage covenant. 1 Peter 3, 7 says this. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. It's a weaker partner, the heirs with you, the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. It's the same concept in Malachi 2, is that their prayers, God saying, I'm not going to help you because you have not honored your marriage covenant. And it's the same thing you see in 1 Peter 3, 7. Wow. <laughs> now, some of you might have some light bulbs going off right now for you of why you don't have some answered prayer. Could it be that you've not honored your spouse the way that God wants you to? You, you can't. I was so convicted. I was frying in my cha chair of revelation last night going, oh, Jesus, I need to be a better husband, Lord. Because we, listen, the most important relationship you have, the, listen to me, the most important relationship you have is the one with God. And, if you, and prayer is the means by which you commune with God. It's not just you talking to Him, but it's Him talking to you. It's the flow of communication. We call that prayer. And if that flow of communication is hindered, buddy, you're in some serious trouble. And if your relationship, so you mean your relationship with God can be hindered because of the way that you treat your spouse. Exactly right. Let's just ask for help right now. <laughs> Jesus, help us. Now, as we move on into this morning's sessions, this is more of a broad stroke. And you're going to get some tools this morning through Dr. Gannon and his sharing. And, and, uh, and, and we're going to model and, and, and help you get some tools of communication. Help you get some tools of conflict, conflict resolution. And it's crucial because if you don't learn these things, your relationship with your spouse will not be at the place that God wants it to be. And in fact, you can actually harm your relationship with God. 
Well, you know, we need people, you know, that term that people say, well, they're they're so spiritual. Or I've had people say, I'm spiritual. They're spiritual, but they treat their spouse completely inappropriately. They're spiritual, but they disrespect their husband, tear them down over and over and over. and, And his whole world revolves around you respecting him, by the way. So through your word, you disrespect him, demean his job, demean what he does. You've just, you've just made a quadriplegic spiritually out of your husband because you just teared him down. And you don't honor and love and, and you don't love your wife and nurture her. And <laughs> Pastor Gannon was teaching my son something this morning. It's profound. I heard it and I used it right away and got a whole bunch of points. I'm not sure how many points I got, but I'm... I know my point, my, 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 my system of points is much different than my wife's. I think I probably got 100,000 points, but I maybe got 100, you know. Anyway, he says to my son, and he had him, my son repeating it. I just started saying it over and over. Man, it's profound. Can I help you with anything? Oh, man, I'm just telling you it's profound. Dudes, try it. Can I help you with anything? Do you need any help? Go ahead, try it. Fellas, ready? One, two, three. Do you need any help? Try saying that to your wife. I said, I walked in. She didn't know, but I, I walked in. I said, do you need any help? She went, huh? Huh? Oh, yes. And she, her, eye, her eyes fluttered. She got all glazed over. And she handed me a bag. I got a bag to help her with. Look, if you're spiritual, you love the Lord, then that'll play out in your relationships. You know, one of the things that drives me nuts is that people who um, are so Holy Ghost, they're herking, jerking, laughing, shucking, jiving, and, and I'll, roll, I'll roll around on the floor of the oil over me just like the next person. But the point is, if, you have a, if you're spiritual, then you'll see that in the context of your life. And you'll see it in how you handle your finances. You see it in how you live your life, how you pray, how you talk, how you work, how you, talk, how you minister to your wife, how you minister to your kids. You'll see it how, how you drive. Jesus, help us right now. Lord, help us. You'll see it. You'll see, you'll see real spirituality is worked out in your life. It's not just, oh, and you can run around the building. Praise God. Come on and smile at me. Praise God for spiritual manifestations, but it's, how do you treat your husband? You ask me that. You're a man of God. How do you, how do you treat your wife, man of God? You know, one of the ways I know about a man of God is you just take a look at his wife. And if you see, um, if you see a, man of God's, a man of God's wife will be radiant. And she will have joy. You see that. And you'll see, you'll see a, a, a woman of God, the same thing. The husband is secure. His chest is out. He's just like, he knows he's bad. Because his wife has told him. And he has this confidence before God and before his wife. Listen, if my wife, if I know, and I do know, I know that my wife thinks I'm all that. I'm just saying. She says it to me. She calls me these wonderful names, which I won't repeat here. 
She says, you're such a stud. I'm like, that's right. You can tell the way a man of God walks. You can tell the way a woman of God, when she speaks, because of their being encouraged and fed and strengthened in their relationship. And if you don't have that, then you're hurting yourself. And you're hindering your relationship with God. Some of you don't get it. Some of you just think it's all about you. So you're constantly pointing the finger at the other spouse and, 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 and pointing the finger and saying, oh, if they would just, oh! And really, it's you. All right, let's move on to the next point, all right? What 1 Peter 3, 7 says, and I've got to hurry. It says, be considerate. Do you know what considerate means? It means to live with knowledge in the Greek. That's what it means to be considerate. To live with knowledge. Be considerate towards your wives. Gentlemen, you need revelation about your wife. You know, men are generally dull. You know, we, we're just not, we're not like women. We don't think like they do. And ladies, may it be a revelation to you that, that your, your husband does not think anything like you do. When's the last time you tried to understand your spouse? You're like, that's, that's a hopeless effort. No, it, you know, it is. Be considerate. You live with knowledge. Try to understand what they're going through, what they're feeling, what they're thinking. Try to spend time. Ask God to help you to understand, gentlemen, ladies. Same thing. Ask God for understanding. Look at your notes now. If you break faith with your spouse, God won't hear you. You know, faith, now this is in the Hebrew here, but the, the word in the Greek is pistis. It's, um, it's trust. Faith is trust and, and belief. You no longer trust each other. No longer respect each other. Those are two crucial things in your marriage. Trust and respect trust and respect. And if, if you're, some of you, some of you think you could just take, tell a white lie. We don't, listen, we don't tell white, white lies are lies. Half truths are still lies. And so when you go through something in your marriage and you, you tried to cover and hide something because you're afraid of the result of that, then actually what you do is it will be discovered. And when it's discovered, trust is broken. And when trust is broken, your connection is broken with your wife. You break, it's called breaking faith. You're breaking trust. Marriage is seen by God as, uh, and you know, we could talk about respect, of course, but let's move on. Marriage is seen by God as one flesh. Jesus saw marriage as one flesh. It's not you and me. It's we. So when your spouse is going through something difficult, you point the finger and say, well, I hope God helps them. Dude, it's you. I love what Pastor Gandhi, I, I think you were in the conference years ago. We were sitting there and the man said, the, the wife that you marry, that's the wife you married. The wife that you have 10 years from now is the one that you made. 
And the same is true, ladies, towards your husband. We're, we're called to live together as one flesh, not two, one. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 28, in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. He who loves his wife loves himself. Man's whole life revolves around respect. I, I said that. You know, mar- you know what marriage is? I, I was thinking about this last night. Early, early this morning. This is a bottle of water. Obviously, it has water in it. Marriage is, marriage is like the bottle or like a cup that holds love. Real love, though. Real love is modeled and to be lived out in marriage. It's, it's a picture of Christ in the church. Marriage is a commitment for a lifetime, good or bad. Good or bad, it's a commitment for a lifetime. And uh, that can be challenging. <laughs> it's a great tragedy when people are not willing to change and shift. I got so rebuked this morning. Um, I've gotten in a bad habit of when communicating with uh, my wife and others, apparently, that I will, uh, I'll multitask. And so, Pastor Gannon was talking to me. And listen, the truth, listen, the truth is the truth. And when you hear the truth, buddy, you, you better buck up and change. And so, I'm, I'm talking to Pastor Gannon. I was working on my message at the same time, which I felt I probably should have communicated to say, I don't have time to talk right now because otherwise I'll have nothing to say. But he was sharing something, and I was already engaged with him. So I went back to, I, I took a phone call is what I did. Phone call. The phone rang, and I said, hold on a second. Because, it, you know. And I answered it. When I talked to the person I hung up, he said, dude, you're rude. And I thought, awesome. He said, yeah, I was talking to you and like you just took a phone call right in the middle of our conversation and my wife who was making scrambled feta eggs spun around and said, oh, I feel so validated or whatever you said. That's just awesome. Did you hear that? I'm like, it's like house arrest. All right. I'm busted. Cuff me. And so, I mean, what are you going to say? Are you going to defend yourself? No, you repent. Everybody say repent. And I ask God to change me. Even now, Lord, change me. Some of you ought to pray that same prayer because you're so fractured in your ability to listen to somebody. Y'all having fun yet? Is this fun yet this morning? Praise God. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, Woo, he's talking to somebody else. Praise God. He ain't talking to me. He who loves his wife loves himself. You got to be willing to change is the point. Some of you have been married 30 years, maybe 40 years. You have to be willing to change. The seasons of life change. And when you go through things that are difficult, your body changes. You'd end up, you know, you were just strapping and just ripped 
And you can end up with chest or drawers disease. That's when your chest is in your drawers. Your body will change. Ladies go through the change. Yeah, menopause, premenopause, you're in your 40s, you're in your 50s. This is real. It's real. I love what doctors said about that. Even there's some people that just throw away their marriage at that point. Dr. Morocco said menopause is like when a, an engine has gone a couple hundred thousand miles and it just, it needs to be overhauled. And so, you know, it's a rebuild. All the rules change. All the cabinets in the kitchen might change where everything goes. Everything changes. What, what was tolerable and previous decades is no longer tolerable now and all the rules change and as a man if you don't understand and that's varying degrees for different people whatever but as a man if you don't understand that's your opportunity where God's re refitting you retrofitting you I should say to make you more like Christ and you start making your wife the enemy or you start making men go through stuff too not me but other men you know and when they're going through stuff, if you look at your spouse and be like, I just can't believe him. No, you, listen, you pray and you engage and you change. Is anybody needing to change? Yeah, that's, that's what love does. Being faithful, to, uh, being faithful to marriage covenant affects the children. Verse 15. Would you put up Malachi chapter 2 verse 15? Just a couple more minutes and I'm, I'm done. Come on, John, you can do it. Lord, touch John right now. Help him. Yeah, you guys do a great job. Malachi 2. There it is. But God did not make, but did he not make them one, having a remnant? Go to the New International Version, please. Has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does one God seek? Godly offspring. Everybody say godly offspring. In our marriages, our marriages, obviously, if you're together and you have children, they produce you producing offspring. Your marriage covenant will affect your children. And being faithful to marriage covenant is crucial. I am, uh, uh, I have come through, I was going to say a product of divorce. It's really the wrong way to say that. I suffered uh, through divorce in my family when I was seven years old. I can tell you that that ripped me in half and one of the main sources of, of entry was an entry point for the devil in my life that affected my whole life up until the point where I got saved and set free. Are you serious? Yes. The divorce ripped this little boy's heart in half. It was confusing. I, as a result, had a hard time trusting in relationships. Through that ripping and through that divorce brought all kinds of onslaught. And, you know, God is bigger than all of that, but I had to work it out. Divorce is a horrible thing. And some people use it as an option because of their difficulties. There are reasons for divorce. There are good reasons for divorce. And there are some very bad ones. And if she burnt your toast, that's a bad reason. 
there are some very clearly, clearly some good reasons for divorce. But if you've ever had to pick up the pieces of a broken family, then you will know that divorce is a wicked thing that affects children profoundly. But in the same way, a godly marriage affects children profoundly too. And you can be healed of those things. Amen. You're, look at, look at uh, 5. The nature of being one flesh is seen in Scripture. Your bodies belong to each other. I love that. That's awesome. 1 Corinthians 7. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife. And all the men said, Hallelujah. And likewise, the wife to her husband. And all the women said, That was so lame. All the women said, Much better, ladies. Praise God. The wife does not have authority over her own body but yields it to her husband. La, 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 In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. He's talking about sex. And he's talking about the union that, that brings really the, the two together as one. We've talked about it so many times before. Three purposes for sex. Oneness, I would say, is, is one of the most important reasons. It brings you together as one. It's one of the greatest acts of spiritual warfare you could do. Some of you need to have some warfare. Listen, if you don't have... I, I need to say this. The children's church is somewhere else. This is not children's church. If, if, the, if the marriage bond, the, the covenant act of sex is gone in your marriage, you need to believe God to get that back in a big hurry. Because it's crucial. It's crucial to covering over your life. Now, some of you are not married, and then you, you just sublimate and love the Lord with all your heart. Amen. All right? Some of you never want to be married. Some of you, some of you are celibate. Praise God. You can live that way. Amen. That's a wonderful thing. The Apostle Paul said, actually, I wish you were all like me, that you don't have to look to the needs of another. You can just have your, your, your mind set on, on fulfilling the mandate of the Lord. So the Apostle Paul said it would be better if you're not married. But then talks about being married. Sex is crucial. Come on, somebody say amen. It's a, it's a physical act of oneness, and if, it's lo if you've lost that in your marriage or something's wrong, then listen, don't just run and hide. and You get help. You talk it out, figure it out. Sometimes biologically things can happen. Oneness. The other reason is, is, is children. And the third reason for sex is, anybody know? Pleasure. Praise God. Those are the three reasons. And your body's not your own. Your possessions, look at B. This is talking about oneness. Your possessions belong to each other. I've known people that have a dividing line on their money, their car, all that stuff. It's so weird. It's totally weird. I think prenuptials are weird. Because, I mean, why would are you like preparing for divorce because you've got a lot of money? Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. I mean, you, you, are you going to be married? You mean your vows and you don't need a prenuptial. I don't believe in prenuptials. Your possessions belong to each other. You're doing life together. and You're not doing life separate. You're doing it together. Some people look uncomfortable today. Look at C. You're stronger in battle. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 4, 8 through 12 reads there was a man all alone he had neither son nor brother and there was no end to his toil yet his eyes were not content with his wealth from whom am I for for whom am I toiling he asked 
And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless. A miserable business. Two are better than one. Say it. Two are better than one. Because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity the one who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. Everybody said, Amen. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Matthew 18, 19 talks about the power of agreement. There's tremendous agreement you need to have in marriage. All right, Roman numeral three. I got to hurry. How to walk in the covenant of marriage. Don't destroy the covenant. Everybody say, don't destroy the covenant. Don't destroy the covenant. Through adultery. That's sex outside of marriage. And by the way, it can also be pornography. I believe pornography is adultery. Jesus said, if you looked upon a woman, or a man for that matter, to lust after, you've already committed adultery. So how do you not destroy covenant of marriage? Don't commit adultery. Don't look at porn. Don't look at women. Don't look at men. And, and, and certainly don't, don't, I mean, I don't, even, I don't even think you should flirt. I think flirtation, being flirtatious is a form of adultery. It's a heart adultery. Oh. I call it a heart adultery. It's, it, there's an emotion, there's an, you're getting a, you're getting a sort of a, a jolt of having somebody pay attention to you like this, um, am I describing it right? You, 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 there, there's like an elation that comes because somebody giggles and there's a, <laughs> and there's this kind of brrrr that happens. I think it's, it's, I think it's, a, it's emotional adultery. I don't, I don't believe in flirting. I was in a church, almost lost my mind. It was many years ago. It was at a wedding of one of our family members. And they were doing the, they were doing the, um, the pictures with afterwards with the groom and the bride and the whole thing. And so they, all these bridesmaids, it was one of those big weddings, like 15 bridesmaids. And, and so the groom was going to get up and he's going to lie down and all the girls were going to come around him and stroke his hair and do this whole thing. It's in a church. It's in an AG church too. And the lady who is over all the weddings and one of the pastors on staff or whatever said, go on, you, got, you girls just flirt with him or whatever. I was so irritated. I was a little bit less tempered back then. And so I said, where is that in Scripture? Flirting like that. Where, where is that? I was so mad I was going to make a scene. So I just grit my teeth and turned around and went, what? That is the weirdest thing. Okay, girls, from their caressing is, I mean, it's just worldly nonsense. It's heart adultery. Don't, guys, don't you flirt with the, with the secretary, with another woman. Don't you give words of affection. It's a, it's, a, it's a part of breaking covenant. I believe that. Ladies, same thing. Look, if you've gotten all dressed up with a new hairdo and you come into church wonderful, ready to praise the Lord, I will never tell you that you look pretty. Ever. Why? Because I have a, you may, Amen. But I will never share those words of affection with anybody else except for my wife. I feel very strongly about it. All right. Another way that you break it is through desertion. 1 Corinthians 7. Look at, I want to NIV again. 1 Corinthians 7. Go to verse 10. Watch this. This might sting a little bit. To the married, I give this command, not I, but the Lord. A wife must not separate from her husband. 
Now, do you know what it's talking about? It's talking about sex, okay? And it's talking about being, and it's a talking about the communion of fellowship and intimacy. Go to verse 11. Verse 11, please. But if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. Now, this starts getting into divorce and whether, you know, on and on and talking about if you've divorced wrongly, then you're committing adultery when you're with another. I don't want to breach that, broach that right now. The point is this. The point is that you can desert your spouse. You can desert them by withholding sex. You can desert them by not having fellowship with them. You can desert them by abandoning them. And you don't ever want to do that. That's how you break covenant with someone, with your, with your spouse. Guard yourself in your spirit. Malachi 2, verse 15 through 16, talks about guarding yourself. It says it twice. Listen, there are lies that will come to your mind about your spouse. Pastor Gannon, Dr. Gannon talked about rejection. And if you have this rejection spirit of rejection, I'll call it, if you have that, then you can begin to think things about your spouse that are not even true. And that's why we wanted to deal with that last night. There are lies that will come to your mind about your spouse. You need to banish them. You need to drive them out. You need to push it away and talk about it. Don't, don't let them things fester in your mind. Oh, he doesn't care for me because he carried her bags, but he won't carry mine. She appreciates it, maybe, and that's why. And you look at him as a donkey. And, you know, if the shoe fits, wear it. But you've got to pray that God would help you to guard over your heart and your mind. Focus on how beautiful your wife is. Don't even look at another woman. Guard yourself that way. Focus on how, what a wonderful gift God has given you and your husband. Don't even entertain the thoughts about another man and how he does a better job or I wish he would hold the door for me. He never holds the door. You learn brave communication. We're going to learn it here in a bit. You get some of that stuff healed up. Can you say amen? Don't break the faith. It says it two times here. Don't break trust again. Listen, if you've been married for 30 and 40 years and you're having difficulty, God, is, God will help you. He's able to turn it all around. Marriage is a lifetime. It's a covenant. It's a covenant between you and your spouse and between God. All three of you. A threefold cord is not easily broken. But you need to learn to walk in covenant. And you need to honor it. Can you say amen? Stand up on your feet. Lift your hands to Jesus. Come on, just begin to talk to him. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Help us, Lord, to, to be people that rightly represent you to our spouses and to those that are around us. We thank you that you created man and woman. We thank you for our spouses. Come on, just thank God for your spouse or your future spouse, maybe. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for my wife. Help me to be considerate, to live with knowledge towards her. Listen, you need to learn to pray for your wife and pray for your husband. You lay hands on your wife. We've done this before. I'm going to do it again. 
just model. Lord, thank you for my wife. Lord, thank you for my wife. Lord, thank you for the greatest gift, Lord, that you've given me and my wife. Holy Spirit, I pray you touch her. You strengthen her. You heal her body. Lord, thank you for the mother of my children. Thank you for my lifetime partner, spouse. Oh, bless my wife, God. Bless my wife. Help me, Lord, to be Christ-like to her. Forgive me for answering phone calls and stuff. You were talking. (laughs) Change me, Lord. Help me to be like Jesus. Help me to be sensitive to her. Is there anything I can do for you? May I live like that, God. And bless my marriage in Jesus' name. You need to pray for your wife. You need to pray for your husband. Go ahead, I'm ready. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> Lord, I thank you so much for my, Sorry, I was holding something there. I, I thank you for my husband, God, the gift that you've given me, my, my best friend, my BFF. <laughs> And Lord, I'm asking God that as he's leading our family and, and uh, doing all that he does, God, that you would give him grace, that you give him, Lord, an undivided heart that fears your name. Yes, Lord. Lord, that you just give him strength and wisdom and the gift of leadership. Lord, I ask that you'd help me to, to um, anticipate and um, support him in, in the ways that he needs. I thank you that you've created me to be a helpmate. And I would be that one I, that, that, that you have designed exactly for him. And, Father, that you would give uh, me wisdom and, and be able to for, have the foresight to see and anticipate, God, those needs. Lord, change me. Help me to respect him more and be sensitive to, to the uh, needs that he has. In Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. All right. Pastor Alex, you jump on the keys. I want you to pray for each other right now. Husbands, you pray for your spouse. If you don't, if you don't have a, you don't have a spouse, and you just pray for healthy relationships, marriage. But husbands, pray for you. you. Lay hands on your wife, and you pray for them. If that's uncomfortable for you, get over it, and start learning to do it. And if you and and women, don't you get after him because he's tripping over his words or something. Just let the dude be a dude. Do the best he can. You lay hands on your wife. Pray for her right now. If she's not here, you just pray for her anyway. Yes. Blessing. Listen, if you can't pray, then you need discipleship. We all need discipleship anyway. And that's normal. What's abnormal is to stay in a place where you don't mature. If our children didn't mature, we'd take them to the doctor. We need to mature in Christ, grow in Christ. It's okay. Just say, Lord, bless my wife. If that, if you could say that, Lord, bless my wife. Help me to be like Jesus. All right. Wrap that up here. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. All right. All right. Women, ladies, pray for your husband. Come on, just pray for him. We're concluding this session here in just a moment. Come on, pray for him.
10. 9, 8. Come on, you can do it. Bless him. 7, 6, 5, 4. 3, 2, 1. Say amen. Listen, let me, let me say this one more thing. You need to teach your kids to do that. You need to teach your sons to lay hands on their mama and bless them and their sisters. And you need to teach your, your daughters to pray too for, for your marriage. Listen, your kids, you teach them, you raise them up to be world changers. You teach them, you're modeling what it is to have a healthy marriage. One more thing, and then we'll go to the next session. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here, and you went through a divorce in your family when you were a kid, and you need healing from that, just raise your hand. Father, in Jesus' name, come on, just believe right now. Father, in the name of Jesus. The breaking of trust, the ripping, the tearing that took place, the violence of divorce. We speak healing into the inner places of their soul. In Jesus' name, be healed. Be free from the accuser's voice that says it's your fault or you had responsibility in it. Be released from that. Be healed. Jesus name no longer affect your relationships one more thing you've been divorced as an adult you got married and you got divorced and you, you need healing raise your hand high raise your hand high look at that all right Lord right now release your healing touch the disappointment the hurts the betrayal different things that took place Lord heal these in the name of of Jesus be healed be healed and be whole in Jesus name amen amen never divorced again say it never divorced again say make a declaration if you mean it say I will never be divorced again <laughs> Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. All right, wonderful. Put your hands together for Michael, Dr. Michael Gannon. Praise God. You can be seated. Thanks a bunch. Thank you, Pastor. So... I will clarify something now that I have the microphone. I did not say you were rude because that would be calling somebody a name. And I don't call people names. So I did not say that. I said your behavior is rude because it was. That is what I said. And I'm the one with the microphone, so shh. This is no in sign language. Shh. 
And they were my words, and I own my words. They're my words. They're mine. And I own them. So, my words are my words. And uh, we're going to learn how to use words today. I've been teaching my kids their whole life how to use words. Um, In fact, I say that all the time to them. Honey, use your words. Use your words. And and so it's going to be good. So I just wanted to clarify that. Um, How and Pastor Daniel, God bless his heart, Asked how many people got touched by God or whatever. I don't even remember what his question was. Um, But have a testimony of something God did for you last night you would like to share with us. Yes, ma'am. Tell us your name. I'll hold the microphone. It's a rule. <laughs> my name is Edna. And um, that, my parents never divorced, but they did fight quite a bit. And my dad would leave, like, sometimes for a day or two. And it wasn't until last night that when you were talking about rejection that I would always thought that was a rejection of my mom. But last night the Lord just showed me that, that I had taken some of that rejection too, and he healed me last night. So thank you. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that. Anybody else? Okay. Tell us your name. My name's Anna. (laughs) Do you want to stand and face our nice people? Tell us what God did. Um, Sorry. Before my husband was saved, he always reacted out, and um, he had big rejection problems and acted out in them a lot. And I realized those reactions weren't, those things he did to me were, it wasn't my fault. The way that he reacted to me wasn't his fault, that it was coming from pain and stuff. And I had a very, like, clear image of him. Um, My husband was very suicidal. And last night I had an image of him, remember seeing him at one time holding a gun to his head. And yesterday, it just came up out of nowhere. I've never thought of it since. And I was just like, there was so much pain and rejection and hurt. And that's where it came from. And last night, even after a year now, that was what it took for me to see um, healing in myself from that. And I didn't even realize it was still in there that it hurt that bad because I had built up a wall inside me to protect myself from the rejection I was feeling off of him, the things that I was feeling off of him, and that pain that was on him. And uh, God just revealed that to me. It was just like, he's not the same man. Because God is so great that he's not the same man. And it brought me healing and understanding of where his pain came from. Yep, so thanks. (laughs) Wow. 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 Holy cow. That's some real healing. That is some real healing. All right. Well, thank you for sharing. That was very brave of you. Again, those are my words. That was very brave. 
he married a warrior too. That's what strong men do, marry strong women. Strong men are not afraid of strong women. And strong women are not afraid of strong men. So that was awesome. Thanks. That was very, very awesome. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Tell us your name. My name is Karen, and um, last night, I always know that I have struggled with rejection because of problems that I had growing up with my parents, but last night, God showed me that I so projected that onto my kids, so afraid of their rejection that I gave into things, and I, and I didn't discipline as I should have, and so now we're reaping the consequences of my bad choices but God just showed me last night that even though there was a lot of hurt and my kids have suffered a lot and now my grandkids are suffering because of their parents choices that he is a God of restoration and and he can heal it all and he can restore my family and he can restore my kids and my grandkids Projection is a big thing. We don't even know we do it. We're so unaware. So unaware. Until somebody says something or God just sovereignly reveals something. We don't even know. That was a great testimony. Thank you, brave lady. Anybody else? Okay, yes, ma'am. It's all the girls. It's like the girls' testimony time. Because the girls really understand their feelings. <laughs> Boys are like, eh, eh, you know, it's all right. Whatever. Yeah, God, that's all right. Um, so tell us your name. Uh, my name is Linda. And uh, last night... When the Holy Spirit got very strong on me when I was up front, um, I didn't realize it, it wasn't what I said, but the way I said things to my husband. And um, sometimes I would even quote the word at him, and it caused more pain than it did healing. And that reminded me of when my parents separated multiple times, and I went through a horrible divorce, and I forgot that he became my friend before he became my husband. And so I repented of that immediately. And um, my husband said, I knew that. <laughs> because my husband, I, I married him because we have like giftings. <laughs> and um, we, I didn't realize that this was our mission field even then. And because we both came up here knowing that God was going to do a revival, we knew God would move powerfully. And I shrunk back. I got kind of afraid of what was happening. It was moving too quickly for me. And when I surrendered again to him last night, he didn't even say anything, but I loved you through this. It's awesome. Give the Lord a hand clap. <clears throat> so, um, all right, Pastor, I was going to move on, but I'll let you share. 
Hold on one second. I feel like I'm on a game show. Hold on one second. Okay, tell us your name. My name is Pastor Vince. And you know, last night when I, when I came into the worship service, God started speaking to me about resurrection. So I was, I was already slobbery when you started, um, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, you know, just, I was just, I don't know, weeping and crying. And then you started talking about the, the demoniac and the, where he hung out at around dead things. And, and, you know, we don't belong around dead things and things like that. And it really somehow ministered to something inside of me that God was, 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 was dealing with me about and you don't know how things affect you you know until you till you really get out in the anointing and, and places you know guys we try to if something hurts us we just wall it over <laughs> I ain't hurt <laughs> you know it ain't affect me man you know I'm just moving on you know you know wow you know and so instead of dealing that you know there's there's some things that that have happened in my life that that was glazed over and that and God started talking to me about the spark and about my mission in life and about how he was resurrecting me and rebuilding me and you know if you ever watched you know million dollar man or was six million dollar man he's like we're rebuilding you we're making you stronger quicker faster better than you ever was before (laughs) <laughs> so I was like, I like, I don't know, you know, I don't know what you were saying last night. Most of the time, I was just weeping. Okay, so as God was doing some inner healing in me, and I and I thought how to stand up here as a man and and represent the men who weren't giving their testimonies. Praise That's God. Good. Praise God. That's awesome. Yeah, as I said last night, I used to work for the police and the FBI for eight years, and. um you know, you you just learn to stuff stuff. You know, you stuff stuff because you got to just move on. And men are not always the best at articulating feelings. And so you just stuff it. You know, I think in men, we're just like, well, we'll all get it later. You know, like the underwear you drop on the floor. You know, honey, I'll get that later. I think we mean that. Like, we mean I'll get it later. I'll pick up the tool later. I'll make you coffee later. I'll talk to you later about it. You know, we'll make love later. Whatever we say, we'll do later. And I think we mean that. But in stuffing those things, too, at some point, those stuffed feelings build up. And then you have, like, a crock pot of feelings. It's very hard to sort out. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? And then you're like, how do you even put your finger on what it is? And so praise God for Pastor Vince when, you know, when God puts his finger on an area of your life, it is one of the greatest things. Um, And so thank you for coming today. Uh, I believe in tools. I'm going to try to give you at least two tools today. Um, um, the class that um, or this curriculum it's called Prepare and Rich did everybody get a book who wants a book yep this is one here come if you could I have somebody help me you could help me so um, 
take a book, and if you want to pay for them, that would be great. Um, but what, what we do is it actually comes from this curriculum where you take an uh, inventory. So you take a wife inventory, then you take a husband inventory, and it prints you out a couple inventory. It's 89% successful in uh, marriage retention and uh, building these certain things within your life. And, um, and when I come back, if we can, we, I'd like to do the whole thing for you. Um, it takes typically what I do. Uh, I charge $400 to do this for couples. Um, and because uh, the initial retainer on an attorney is 750 for a divorce. So but now it's 1000 in Alaska. In, in America, where I live in America, uh, I'm just joking. When I, when I lived in Hawaii, everybody, go, you know, they would tell you from the, they would be from the mainland, we call it. They go, in America, like Hawaii is not part of America. So it was just a joke. For my, for my Alaskan brethren, who represent, um, but it's seven fifty, so it's way cheaper to do this than it is to be divorced. But um, they've done many hundreds of thousands of couples, and it's very scientifically proven. And and if we could do it, it really uh, specifically isolates areas of growth in your relationship. Um, and so you have to take an inventory. It takes about an hour. Then it's scientifically rated. I get a copy. You get a copy. And then you have a facilitator guide. And you're able to specifically work through uh, problem areas in your relationship. So, you know, maybe we'll be able to do this. And then it's four to eight sessions of counseling to go through those things. So um, it's really a great thing. So today we're just going to go... Uh, here, someone needed one over there. Today, we're just going to go over two tools um, that will help you. And I wanted to be careful to give you tools that you can use in your real life if your husband and wife are not here or if you're not married. Uh, communications are, you know, to be able to communicate is a tool you can use in, in life, you know, with your employer, uh, you know, as a boss, as, a, as an employee, um, you know, whatever, as a pastor, as a minister, um, you know, that communication is a great skill. Amen? And so learning how to communicate is very important. So no matter what happens today, you'll leave here with some tools. Um, and then we're going to talk about conflict resolution and how you uh, adequately and effectively resolve conflict when you have a deep emotional issue that you're trying to sort through and a guy has his crock pot of feelings that he's ignored for two months and then you want to bring up you know the the tool you've stubbed your toe on boom he left out the chainsaw you know again left it out again you know, how many times do I have to tell you pick up your chainsaw and we stub our toe boom and then you go say, you know, dude, you left the chainsaw out. And then it's rah. Y'all understand what I'm saying? And, um, and so we're going to do tools on how to resolve conflict. 
and um, and we're going to practice today. So, um, so I hope it will help you, and it'll be good, and it'll be a blessing. And uh, so, everybody have a book, so that um, so you can feel free to do this together if you'd like. That's why you should each have one um, that you can. Um, you know, do any of the exercises you want. They have things on finances. The three main reasons people get divorced are uh, communication is the number one reason or lack thereof. Communication is the number one reason. Uh, sex is the number two reason. And then money is the number three reason. So the top three reasons for divorce is communication, sex, and money. Um, and so today we're at least going to hopefully solve the communication part. Uh, Pastor Daniel said, go solve your sex part. So sort of, kind of, you said that. And that when you're married. And then the money thing, uh, you know, I encourage you just to deal with all of that. So, um, so communication, uh, we're on page five. And if you have a different workbook uh, with the scripture, then it might not be page five, but it's right there on communication. And, um, and then did we hand out the brave communication part too? Yes. Okay, great. That's one of the best, um, things that I have found on, uh, communication. And, um, it deals with, uh, Brave communication, it's called, and iMessages. So we're going to be taking um, communication from the workbook as well as this. Uh, I took a week-long class on brave communication and how to communicate. And so that's, uh, that's the other thing that we're going to talk about. So, um, so is everybody doing okay? What time should it's 1030? Should I talk for like a half hour and then take a break? Is that good? Let me start my little clock. As a Pentecostal, I noticed that I would take my watch off like I actually would pay attention to it, but I never would. Like I don't even, I like take it off like I'm going to look at what time it is. And even when I start my clock, I don't really look at it. Thank you. And um, so... That was a confession I was making to you. Um, so, brave communication. So, has everybody got where we're at? So, marriage is a team sport. You either win together or lose together. Uh, learning how to effectively communicate sometimes uh, involves recognizing your feelings. Everybody say the word feelings. It, you have to recognize feelings. Uh, you know, they're... There are uh, feelings that can be confusing, like anger is a very confusing feeling because it can involve a lot of different other feelings. Do you all know what I'm talking about? Um, and, and probably with men, especially, it's one of the ones we're the most in touch with. You know, I, I had that unfortunately modeled by my father. Uh, I'm the smallest boy in my family. And I was sent to the hospital four times um, and fi fighting with my dad, 
who um, for him, here was affection. So this is my dad, who was a gunnery sergeant uh, who fought in the Korean War, and, uh, and I'm the smallest boy. So here's affection as it relates to my dad. He'd squeeze your trapezoid, so he'd get one squeeze, because he didn't want didn't to spoil you. You get one squeeze and a pat. So this is, this is affection. You, you get one squeeze and a pat. If you really, really did good, you'd maybe get one squeeze and two pats. And it'd be like, you, I couldn't wait for the squeeze and the pat. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? And to get an I love you or a hug or, you know, whatever, I'm like a squishy feeling guy now. I'm a squishy feeling guy because, because I just recognize in my life the trickle, the trickle effect of love did not help me. I don't want a trickle effect of love. I want to be rained on. I'm like, forget the John Wayne crap. That's just crap. And I have girls, so, you know, a squeeze and a pat for a girl, they're going to be pregnant by the time they're 16. So I had, to, I had to really get a hold of God and change my paradigm. Like I cry with my kids. Because they're looking for uh, the love of their father in a boy. You know, it's called a father wound or the, a father issue where you're, where you're trying to get that love and affection. You'll feel it, in any, you'll feel it any way you can. You'll feel, feel, F-I-L-L, feel it any way you can because it becomes a void because that's that's the thing you're looking for and fathers represent three main things to to the kid which is your identity who you are protection that i will protect you which is why i broke up with that boy in seventh grade i will protect you and provision that i will provide for you that it's going to be okay and that's the three main things father and fathers impart into their kids is identity, protection, and provision. And so I, I didn't want to be a squeeze, pat kind of guy. Do you all know what I'm saying? But I, but I really, but I didn't know how to do that necessarily. And, um, and I had to shift my paradigm. And one of the things, especially for women and girls, and I have three girls, is communication. You know, that's, that's how women relate verbally. You know, they said they've done a study. You know, men have 5,000 words a day they communicate, and women have 25,000. Has anybody ever heard that statistic before? So, you know, you go to work, dude, you burn your 5,000, you come home, and they're like, they, you know, they have a kid. You know, they're like with the kids or whatever. You know, they got like 20,000 words left still, you know. <laughs> they like, you know, they just can't wait for you to get home and tell you about the day. And, oh, my goodness. You know, and you're like just spent. You're like, you know, you're, you're trying to have to, you know, take reserve words. You know, you're like on reserve. Okay, I'll dig deep. You know, how was your day? 
good. What happened today? And like you're on reserve. You're like digging deep within yourself. I'm fine. <clears throat> and you think you're doing good. You know, you're like, I'm communicating. Good. I'm fine. You know, they, and they just want to be with you. Just want to be with you. You know, and men were notorious. We're thinking about our to-do list and I gotta chop wood. I gotta. I gotta do. I gotta fix the car. I gotta pitch, go away the change. I gotta clean my shotgun. I gotta, I gotta like ninety things I gotta do. She just wants to look in your eyes and know that you love her. And if you don't put her on your to-do list, dude, you're in big trouble. You are in big trouble. And so we're going to uh, talk about communication and uh, how you do it. And if you've never practiced, I'm going to encourage you to use your words today. And, um, and let them be yours. And so communication increases intimacy. One of the greatest things I've ever heard, uh, a definition of intimacy is into me you see. So intimacy is into me you see. You know, God gave you a wife or a husband. You don't get a decoder ring and, you know, secret code messages and women speak women. You know, i I've tried to learn to speak woman, womanese. Oh, that's a nice way to say it. They're my words. So women speak women, you know. Do you all know what I'm talking about? You're looking at me like I'm from California. You all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so women speak women. And that, you know, that's not all, you know, you're like, honey, you mind if I go hunting? They go, sure, it's fine. Fine, go, yes, I love you. Have a good time. Is that really what they mean? No, <laughs> no, it is not what they mean. Yes, go, it's fine, I love you. You know, really what they're saying is pick me, pick me, pick me. You hunted last week You're with your friends, pick me. And I'll play Jeopardy music while you decide. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. But you're like, I got the green light. I'm going to go, huh? It's going to be great. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? That's speaking woman. And you have to learn to decode that. And we can't speak in secret messages. You know, send a smoke signal. You know. Or Morse code. Do, 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 do. You know, please pick me. Do, 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 do. So you have to learn how to communicate and how to use your words and how to express your feelings. Would you all agree? So we're going to learn how to do that today. And uh, we're going to practice how to communicate together. So 
the key thing is to use an I message. So everybody say I. So an I message uh, on this page of uh, Brave Communication, I'm on page three, um, is the Dirty Little Secrets of Communication. And uh, point number eight is the four main emotions on page three is glad, sad, mad, and afraid. So your four main feelings are, or emotions, I should say, are glad, sad, mad, and afraid. Everybody say glad, sad, fret, fret. You can't say that. That's really hard. Glad, sad, mad, and afraid. Everybody say that. Yeah, so those are the four, your four main emotions. And then you have all these other emotions, like you could feel stressed, you could feel pressure, you could feel anxiety, you could feel, you know, whatever you feel. Does everybody understand that? And so what we're going to learn to do is to express our feelings. So if you have a spouse here, uh, that's great. If you don't, we're still going to practice communicating. Okay, so if you're a girl, please pick a girl unless it's, you know, your kid or someone who's not going to, you know, won't be weird. Okay? And if you're a boy, please pick a boy because, you know, using your feelings on girls would also be weird. Okay? So what I want you to do, we're going to practice. So if you're married, use your, do the spouse thing. If you're not, try to do boy, boy, girl, girl. Okay, is that okay? And then what we're going to do is we're going to practice how to say it in a controlled and safe environment. Okay? And I am a trained professional. I do this for a living, and um, it will be fine. So, a lot of times guys come, you know, with, we like have a bag. The best way I can explain boys is you like have a bag of all your problems. You know, you carry it around, and then you have a fight, and you just pull them all out, right? Women typically just fight it out, boom, and then they're done. It's like, let's be in love and move on, Right? Some women, I'm generalizing. But, um, but that's normally how it is. The woman just wants to deal with it. Let's just get it over with, move on in our life, and be happy. Let's just be happy. Can't we be happy? I just, I just love you. I just want to be happy. You know, and boys have like the bag of, you know, the 90 things we can fight about, you know, just come and <laughs> unpack the bag. Y'all all right? <laughs> Telling your secrets. So, um, so with that bag of unpacking that bag comes a lot of different feelings, right? So it's not fair to fight about more than one thing at a time. It's not fair. It's not fair to fight about more than one thing at a time. And you have to practice focusing on the issue you're talking about without bringing up other issues, as First Corinthians says, which is love keeps no record of wrongs. Love keeps no record of wrongs. So, like, if you forgive, you're forgiven, and if you bring it up again, then you didn't forgive. You're a liar. Because God doesn't hold our sins over our head, Right? 
and we're created in his image. So, so if you're fighting about stuff in the past, those are unresolved things you haven't really worked through. Okay, so yep, when you pick a topic, and we're going to pick a topic today under conflict resolution, you have to pick one topic and one topic only. You talk about that one topic without bringing up all the other things, which is why you just fight in circles and you never resolve anything because you're really not communicating effectively. You know, you just want your voice to be heard. But the problem when you're not effectively communicating, neither of you are really listening. You're just arguing. And the point of an argument is to win. I was a hostage negotiator. The reason I negotiated was to win. People's lives depended on my winning an argument. And so the point of that is to win. But in a relationship, you can either you can either be right or you can have a relationship. You, you can't have both. So if you want to be right, feel free. Feel free to be right, but you're not going to have a relationship. And you can win an argument, but did you really win? At what expense? And so if we don't learn to fight fair or to communicate fairly, we, we end up just putting a wedge between the one person in all the world who's supposed to love and accept you and understand you. I mean, your home is supposed to be a haven where you come home and just you can just be yourself. It's like a safe haven. It's like I've come home to the haven. Yes. But there are times in our lives where your haven is is worse than out at sea. Yeah, it's not. It's not safe. It doesn't feel safe. And how do you get through that storm? You know, especially if you have bad, you've built bad habits. You can build bad habits in relationships and fall into a pattern or a rut that it's very difficult to get out of. I mean, I do this for a living, so I counsel people all the time. And you, we bring up an issue, we're going to practice like what we're going to practice today, and it immediately turns into a fight. You know, and then I have to stop them, stop. No, this is no. I do this in counseling. No, I stop. I go, no, you're just fighting. What about? You stop. And then it's okay, let's start over. Okay, let's start over. And you have to practice. Do you all understand what I'm saying? Because you get in bad habits and you get in this rut of just pulling out your bag of just stuff you want to talk about. But you're not resolving anything. It's just like punching somebody in the face. Emotionally. Right? And then you don't feel loved, respected, honored, as Pastor Daniel said. Like the person is listening. You know, I love people who listen. I listen for a living. So when I told him that, that your behavior was rude and not you were rude, your behavior was rude. 
I said that because I want to be valued too. But I have just learned in my life, I have certain boundaries. And if you, if you want to take that call, that's fine. I don't have to talk to you. You want to talk to me? Let's talk. You want to take the call? Take the call. I do it in counseling. People don't want to listen. Then I go, okay, thank you. You have a nice day. Let me know when you're ready to listen. We'll just pick this up again when you're ready to listen. You know, you can feel free to be the way you are. God bless you. If you'd like to be different, then I'm willing to help you. Okay? So then go, go your way. And I've just learned in my life as a counselor that some people, it's very hard to listen because they've never learned how to listen. They learned how to talk. And listening is a skill. It's an art. You have to learn it. Like, like to paint. You know, you have to learn brush strokes and colors and how, what type of paint and a, the canvas to use. And, you know, what you're going to do. And if you want to be really good at it, you have to practice. And we don't, we don't, we're not, we don't practice listening. Right? And it's a learned thing. You have to learn it. And so that's what we're going to practice today. And, uh, and so I want you to think right now of one feeling that you have, okay, with your spouse, okay? I want you to think of one feeling that you have right now. Think of a feeling. Is everybody thinking of a feeling? I want you to think of a feeling. And then what we're going to do is we're going to practice talking about that one feeling. And so this is, uh, are you all okay? Um, and so this is on page four. Uh, it's your wish list. Okay. Uh, and if you have the biblical reference one, it's a different page number. Page four, creating a wish list. And what we're going to do is you're going to, I want you to write that down. Um, If you have the biblical reference one, it's on a different page, but find this under communication. It's called a wish list. And uh, yes, sir. It is on page four, too. Great. Perfect. Thank you so much. Okay, so what I want you to do, and if you don't want to write on this, you're free to make copies of it. I paid to own the license to make copies and reproduce it, which is why I charged you money for it today. But, um, but you can recopy this and reuse it. So if you don't want to write on your thing, just make a note somewhere else so that you can copy this and then use it as a tool when you're communicating later. Do you all know what I'm talking about? Then you can bust this out. Until you get good at it. Once you're good at communicating, you don't need the little cheat sheet. But I would only say, you know, that one, when you're communicating and you're not fighting in circles, then you have mastered the ability to communicate and then you don't need the cheat sheet. Until then, it's better to stick to the little script so you don't fall back in your bad habits. Okay, does that make sense? Okay. 
And this is a very practical tool. And, you know, some people have told me it feels, you know, rehearsed and stupid, you know, and, you know, I just want to get my point across. I just want to get it all out. Just want to get it out there. Get it out there and get it over with. And, you know, you know, um, but it's not working. Do you, is that true or not true? It's not working. So you need a different tool, dude, or dudette. So what I want you to do is, is write a wish list of three things, okay, that you would like more of in your relationship or you would like less of in your relationship. Okay, so pick three things. Is everybody doing what I'm asking them to do? Okay, and then we're going to practice communicating the feeling associated with the wish list. Okay, so boys have to participate too. Okay, so write three things that you would like more of in your relationship. Three things you would like less of. Good example might be, I wish we spent more time together. You know, um, I wish we could uh, not fight. I wish we could agree on how to raise our children. I wish that uh, there would be less pressure when we talk about money. I wish that... You know, you would cut the grass when you say you're going to cut the grass. You know, I wish that, you know, you would carry my bag to the car instead of, you know, everybody else's. Whatever. You're making your own wish list. They're your wishes. They're your words. Okay? And you have to be responsible for your words. So, has everybody got it? Has everybody done? Who needs a little more time? Okay, take your time. And then what we're going to do is we're really going to practice how to do this. And then this is a great tool in communication and how to practice an I message. And you practice I messages by owning your feelings, owning your wishes. Uh, the rules are when you communicate, you have to listen. So you cannot judge their feeling, okay? It's their feeling. So there's no judgment allowed. You're not, you cannot get defensive. You're not, to listen doesn't mean you defend yourself. Do you know what that means? You have to just listen. So when they're talking, ups, you listen. You listen. You are not allowed to say one thing. Because you can either talk or you can listen. You can't do both. So your job as the person who is listening is to listen. And then what you do, it's called active or reflective listening, where you repeat back what you heard that person say. And so what you say is, what I heard you say was. So everybody say that with me. That's the only thing you are allowed to say as the listener. Everybody listen to me. 
It's the only thing you're allowed to say is what I heard you say was, and then you repeat back what you heard them say without any commentary, without defenses, without any justification. Everybody got it? Only repeat what you heard them say, and then you say, is that correct? Is that correct? That's the other thing you're allowed to say. So the first thing is what I heard you say, and you repeat what you heard. The only other thing you're allowed to say is, is that correct? And then they will tell you if what you heard was correct. And what that means to that person is you just listened and heard them. Okay, did you solve anything? You solved one thing, is that I listened to you. And for some couples, it's the first time ever in the history of their life. Okay? And then, the, and then we're going to take turns. Then the other person's going to go. And then, and then after that, we're going to see how that feels to everybody. Okay? And then, and then we're going to take a break. And then after the break, we're going to get into how you use the communication skill that we're going to use right now to solve problems. Okay? In conflict resolution. Because if you can't solve it, you know, you can't solve the problem arguing about it because that's why you're probably sitting in this room, right? You ever argue with people who don't listen? You might as well not even be talking. Okay? So is everybody ready? Everybody's ready. Okay, so find your partner. And then I want, what I want you to do is pick one of the things on your wish list. And if you want to go sit somewhere else further away, you can. You can move for this exercise. Uh, I don't know. Let me look. Is it really my half hour's over? Uh, Ten minutes. I've, it's 28 minutes. I'm not done. Five minutes each. Good. Ten minutes. Perfect. So it's five minutes each if you want to go sit in a different section. And what you want to do is say these words right here. The speaker's job is to say, I wish, express your feeling, how it would make you feel if that thing came true, whether it is to have more of something or less of something. Say, I wish, so don't, you don't talk with you. You know, you, 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 you. It's me. They're my feelings. I wish... You communicate what it is, and then how it would make you feel if that if that were if that happened in that your relationship, and then you do the reflective listening. Then the other person speaks back. What I heard you say was, "Does everybody understand?" And you say, "Then is that correct?" And then you and then you do that. And then once you're done, then it's the next person's. Okay, so face each other, get your partner, and uh, and then try your thing. Let's have wives go first or women first because that's how my mom raised me. So let's have the women go first uh, without judgment, without evaluation. Yeah, only one thing on your three things. You can only pick one thing. 
Okay, and then I want you to practice. So it has to start with I. I wish. I wish. And if your husband or... One feeling. It's one thing, one feeling. You know, and it might be a few feelings. As long as they're your feelings, it's okay. Okay? One, one wish and how it makes you feel. One feeling. Okay, so if you're, you should have one, at least one of you communicated and then try to have the other person share their wish and feeling. So if you're the women, try not to use all 25,000 of your words right now. He's finally listening and another thing. You know, so, so then switch. Let, let the boy share. Ma'am, why don't you start trying to wrap up, if you would, please. All right. Um, so one really good thing many times what you'll find in communication is that some of your things are the same thing. How many found that to be true? Some of your things are the same thing, which shows you you're on the same team, you have the same concern, you have the same problem, you're just not fixing it. Which is why it's the same thing. And so how many had a hard time communicating, be honest, raise your hand. Yeah, I had a hard time. It was felt a little weird, a little uncomfortable. A little uncomfortable. Okay, so that's maybe half of us. It's probably about half of us had that. And so, um, so what we're going to do uh, for the sake of time is we're going to, now we're going to practice that's with that same communication, uh, and we're going to resolve a conflict that you have. Okay, so let me ask you this question. How many of you felt listened to? Raise your hand. Okay. Did, would you say that made you feel good that someone listened? Okay, so all of us agree. Do you all see that? That's why these tools are great tools. Now, the thing as the listener is you have to, you have to really practice not getting defensive and not taking it personally like you're being attacked. No, because I don't have enough time. Because my pastor told me I have to be done. So get the tape, listen to it later. But I don't have to worry about being defensive when they're my words. Listen to me. These are my words. And I will own my words. They're my feelings. You don't have to feel bad about that. They're mine. But I'm going to share them with you in the hope that we can have into me you see. And we're on the same side. We're on the same team. Boys and girls are Mars and Venus. You know, we just go about totally different ways. Okay? But it's very important. So how many guys would you say, uh, uh, how would I put this in a nice way? Um, it, was, it was a little difficult. Men, it was a little difficult. Okay? 
And again, many times, and this is no, like, uh, it's no judgment, but how I was raised is a squeeze and a pat. Right? So did I learn how to express feelings? <laughs> no. <laughs> right? Did my dad learn that? No. You know? So that's what we practice. So, um, so boys, just you got to just keep doing it, and you'll get better at it. So now what we're going to do is we're going to go into conflict resolution. So if you have your little workbook, uh, there are 10 steps to conflict resolution. And so we're not going to take a break. We're just going to knock this out. Is that okay? Okay, there's 10 steps to conflict resolution. And they're on the piece of paper. They're on, it's on page 9. And I want you to pick uh, the, let's pick the number one. Let's just go right, shoot for the stars. Pick your number one problem that you fight about. Money, sex, uh, whatever it is. Just pick the big one. Let's try to knock it out today. Okay? Is that all right? So what I want you to do is pick the big one. And then the ten steps of, of this is we're going to use your iMessages, the things we just practiced. We're going to use the, our feelings that we just practiced. We're going to use active and reflective listening that we just practiced. So you are not allowed shh, to commentate. That's even a word. You're not allowed to get defensive. You're not allowed to argue. You're not allowed to, to even engage in the conversation. I just want you to be the talker and then be the listener. Okay? Does everybody understand that? Using an I message and not you. Okay? So, and then you pick the thing, and, and you have to not take it personally. And then I want you to list, so on here, if you don't want to write on this because you want to use it later, what you're going to do is you're going to list, you be whoever girls, let's have girls go first. You're going to be partner one is the girl, and you put how you contribute to the problem. So if your number one problem is fighting about finances, you put how you contribute to the problem, okay? And then you put how your spouse contributes to the problem as number two, as partner number two, okay? So you're owning your half. Marriage is 50-50. That makes 100 even in California. So you're half responsible for half, right? So you have 50%. They have 50. And then we want to fight over, really, you're 65 and I'm 45 or whatever, 35. Or, you know, you do that more than me. And it's da 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 So then you don't get anything solved. Then I want you to put list past attempts you've used to try to resolve the problem that were not successful. Okay, other times you've talked about it. And uh, the more you've talked about it, the harder it is sometimes to resolve it. Everybody understand what I'm saying? which is why you just keep fighting about it. And then I want you to brainstorm together. So the two of you together, and how brainstorming works is you cannot judge any idea. Any idea is a good idea. So no matter what the idea is, you brainstorm. So I was doing marriage counseling for a couple. The, the washing machine broke. He just freaked out like a guy because it costs money. And I gotta buy a new washing machine. And, ah, ah, 
you know, you all know what I'm talking about? Yep. And, um, and so we went through this brainstorming. What are the brainstorming? And the wife automatically goes, well, we could wash our, our clothes on cold. Like the wives are reasonable and rational many times. And she's like, we could just do our laundry on cold. And then you come up with 10 ideas, okay, on how to solve the problem. Maybe you can only come up with six, but I want you to list 10 ideas, if you can, on how to resolve that problem, brainstorm what it is. And then, uh, which is agreeing on the solution you're going to try, which is number seven. And then, and then both agree how you will each work toward that solution. So what are, what are you going to do as partner number one? What are you going to do as partner number two? Okay, what are you going to contribute to the solution? What is the other person going to contribute to the solution? And then you set up another time to go over what you're working on. Okay, to check your work. Does that make sense? Okay, and this is how you resolve conflict so that you don't endlessly argue. Okay, so I want you to use your uh, iMessages, active and reflective listening. Come up with a, one of the big ones you want to pick. Put it down. And then write, write for both of you. So women do one and men do one. Okay, so the women get to pick one, their number one complaint. Men get to pick their number one complaint. We don't have sex enough. You know, whatever. That's normally the number one complaint guys have. We don't have sex enough. You know, you burned my chicken. And I wish we had more channels on TV. That's really the top three things I've heard most men say. If sex really sex and sex but we want to be spiritual so we talk about other things too but so so whatever you want to put down you just put it down and then we're going to talk about it and then we're going to work to resolve it okay and if you have a problem raise your hand I'll try to come help you privately and so put it down and then start working on it does everybody understand does anybody have any questions before we start if you want to pick a different chair to go to, you can. Does anybody have any questions before we start? Does everybody know what we're doing? Yes. Correct. Correct. Then you're going to decide on the solution together, and then you're going to decide what you're going to do to help solve her problem which is really your problem. Her problem is your problem. And then and then you're going to do the same for her, which is and how you're going to each contribute to the solution. Okay? And then you're going to pick a date, let's say Sunday this weekend tomorrow to gauge how you think you're doing. Okay? So you're going to you know, you're going to evaluate how you're doing. And maybe it's a, in a week you find out how you're doing. Okay? And then you work toward continuing to solve that problem. Okay, and if you have an issue, anybody have any other questions? Okay, good. Start, please. Uh, five minutes each again. Ten minutes each. Five minutes. Okay, take five minutes each. If you have a problem, raise your hand. I'll be right there.
All right. Well, these are the two best tools that I have found to help couples. Um, so, anybody have any questions for either of us? We have a um, we have a mic, we have a mic runner. So, in this night, in this last, the kids are hungry and they've had snacks. For those of you that have children. And we're going a little bit long, but we're just going to take this next... I'm sorry. You know, just this last 20-plus minutes to just do some questions and answers. And maybe... And, and uh, anything... It's all fair game. Whatever, whatever question you want to ask, you can ask it. All right? Uh, and then, you know, it might take 15 minutes, and or maybe we'll have to stop. But we're not going to go past 1230. We'll be done. Uh, we've got a choir and all kinds of ministries and things taking place. In fact, some of the choir are upstairs right now having an orientation because there were so many people that signed up for that, and that started at noon. So if you need to slip out for that, it's all right. Yeah. So if, they, if we aren't able to get through question and answers and there are people that have them, would they be able to write them down and email could, them or something could, uh, like that? You could email if we if that if that takes place you could you could always email a question and uh to me or my wife or to the church or whatever we'll help you wasilla at case at kingscathedral.com we'll give that again perhaps we can get it on the screen one of our media people wasilla at kingscathedral.com and you could email any any question you want amen all right so let's go ahead and uh question in the back we see that hand Okay, he's going to hold the mic. Uh -oh. That's new. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, vulnerability. Here we go. I have a hard time after feelings have been shared and everything is out in the open, and even uh, she could have apologized, but I still feel like that little thing is still in there. Um, I think that's like selfishness and maybe pride on my part. Is it? And what should I do about that? So I share, we talk, we work through it. She even maybe apologized, maybe even not the way I wanted to, or wanted her to, or whatever. But I still got that like 75%'s been dealt with, 25 still in there. Is that should I move on? Is that pride, selfishness I deal with on my own, or whatever? Or is that or what is it? How should I respond? It's a great question. So you see how I'm intentional about my communication? Everybody notice that? Great question, because I'm going to acknowledge his sharing. Like I say, you're very brave. Good job. Thanks a lot. So I acknowledge, right? Instead of be a guy and just go right to the answer. Thank you for sharing that. Do you have something you'd like to say? I do. That's so sweet of you. Um, Thank you. One of the things that I've noticed... Uh, just about in my own personal, uh, the way that I am is that I process things. So I'm a little bit slower. And so when we might have an argument, I actually have that same experience. And I don't know if that's just because I'm a woman or if that's just the way that I process information. Uh, and so I feel like sometimes I just have to still process the the letting go of that. I don't know all the terminology for it, but I have to uh, make a choice to process and let it go and forgive, like continue to kind of walk it out. That's my experience. 
for me. I would say also that it could be an indication that you're actually not all the way through the process. So if I still have something that's residue or something that's still in my heart, then maybe the full process of communication uh, and resolution hasn't taken place, so we need to get back at it. And whenever we say the words might and probably really, we, we are right, that that's, that is our problem. So it might be pride, means it's pride. It probably is selfishness, it is. And then we have to just own our part of that. And I, and I use this term, I practice, which is I'm sorry that you feel that way, which is I'm going to acknowledge the way that you feel and take, take responsibility that I'm sorry if I contributed to that feeling in any way, okay? I'm sorry that you feel that way acknowledges that you ha you may or may not have had a part in that. If I say I'm sorry you feel that way, it might not be me, right? But I can still be sorry that you feel that way. Like, I'm sorry for your loss when somebody dies. Were you responsible for the person who died? No. <laughs> but I'm sorry for your loss, you know? And so just acknowledging and accepting your piece of that feeling she has can maybe help reassure her that you're listening and it's okay. And then you process through, walk it out. And if you still have tension, then it's maybe something deeper. Do you know what I mean by that? Like how you peel an onion, you still have it, it's unresolved in a week, then you go back at it and peel it and maybe it's something else. Does that make sense? Perfect. Anybody else? Questions? Pastor Vince Vinson. Hello. Oh, right. When somebody brings something to your attention, and let's say it, it's grating on you, and you know it's you, and you know you have to make an adjustment, is there or should there be some kind of period? where you're allowed to process the adjustment that you have to make in your own life. Because sometimes it, it's, it's hard to be instant on everything. You know, sometimes it, it, it takes a little bit. And, and I don't know, how do, we, how do we work that out between each other where, okay, you pointed it out to me, I admit that that's it, and then there's this process of time. How much... You know what I'm saying? I'll, I'll field the first part of it if I can. I think it depends on what it is. So if somebody has a problem, for instance, uh, with crack, cocaine, and it's pointed out to them, well, that was something that needs to be resolved immediately. That's not something, because the next time it could kill somebody, somebody, you know, obviously. Um, there, there's more extreme things that can be pointed out that need immediate resolution and emergency responses. Uh, you know, and, and so I don't want to take that for granted. Um, Pastor Gannon, you want to feel the rest of that? Yeah, and it's a great question. Thank you for sharing that. Um, in your little packet, we didn't have the time time to go over it. Maybe if I can come back, we you know we can work through some other things. But but two of the things that would help answer your question is on there they have how to take a timeout, which is very important. How do you take a timeout in the middle of an intense conversation? Say. 
you know, I, I always have this thing that I can't talk to you about this right now. Okay, that's my cue. I need a timeout. I can't talk to you about this right now because I'm so upset. I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do. So I need a timeout. One of the things is you can take timeouts. The other thing is the granting, granting and seeking of forgiveness is also in that packet. How you grant forgiveness and how you seek forgiveness. So those two things might be helpful. And then the third thing I would say is you just have to give each other grace as you grow. And, and, and sometimes the roots of problems is not that your spouse isn't giving you grace. You're not giving yourself grace. Like I am my hardest critic. I'm so hard on myself because <laughs> I want to be perfect. I really do. But I'm not going to be. So I have to give myself grace to grow and change. Does that make sense? And you just have to give grace, dude. You have to give grace, receive grace, grace, grace. Uh, I would also say some of the, sometimes we, of course, have to deal with that. Um, changing of habits and changing of responses and changing of whatever. And sometimes it's helpful to just give a friendly reminder. Um, yeah, a cue. That's what we have. Uh, you know, you shared from the pulpit the other day, you know, when that strife thing was happening and the Lord reminded you. We just, uh, we just started a new queue in, just last week. Um, there's been a, re- a reoccurring uh, challenge in the family. It's usually around nighttime. And when it's come up, it has been very challenging for me to... Um, to remain calm. It's, it's a kind of thing where it's just like, are you kidding me? It's just my blood, it causes my blood to boil. And, um, and I, please don't, the days of pounding things, throwing things, and throwing fits, and, you know, doing donuts in the middle of, you know, of the grass with my truck are long, long gone. Okay, so don't, don't put something there that's not there. But, you know, as a man, I mean, you can get big. You can just maybe elevate your voice, your tone, the whole thing. It just can create an environment of strife. And um, so I, we saw this pattern start happening. It's just some frustration and tired and whatever excuses you want to say. But, but as we had that breakthrough that night, as I stood in the middle of my hallway and I shared it, I, I began to pray. I prayed in the Holy Spirit. I folded my hands. I was nearly falling asleep standing up in my hallway. I prayed through, and it was like darkness pushed back off my house, and the presence and the peace of God came, and I thought, uh, we need to do that. We're doing this a lot more. I mean, I, I, sometimes we forget. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like, duh, that's just regular Christianity, people. I mean, you know, sometimes we just get like, forget the fact that we're in a war and of our flesh and the world and the devil and on and on. So I said, you know what, I... If you see me getting like that again, just I'll just just say one thing. Say, say Daniel, pray. And so I put a little button in my system where she says Daniel, pray, and we just use that. 
and it worked. So when I hear that, it's like, okay, I think maybe I'm, I'm in the flesh. It's, it's like, wake up, doot, doot, doot. Daniel pray, okay, that must mean I think I'm, I'm, think I'm having a problem. And so then I begin to pray, push the thing back, get my peace back, get back in the spirit, because the flesh counts for nothing and the spirit gives life and allow for the spirit to come back on me, back in my home and walk the thing out in peace and joy and love. Does that help? So we have little, I like this one. I want this one. That's a good one. We did that a lot for our kids when we were growing up. Stop. We should probably bring it in our house again. Stop. But the swirling with the two fingers, I like that better. That's cursive. And then I go up, I go up, up, up. That's when they don't listen. Up. That actually shows your mouth and your fingers moving simultaneously. Up, up, up. All right, great. So I don't know if that helps. Uh, Great question. Very good. Any other questions? Yes. Here comes the mic. It's coming. Um, bringing the question back to Pat, what Pastor Alex was saying, that he feels like only 75% of the problem is solved. Could any of that be come from past issues that they have that they haven't been able to deal with yet in him and or her? It does. I, I have a rule. It's my rule. So. My rule is if in processing something, I can't get over it in two days. So that's my rule, two days. I'm going to talk to somebody about that. It may not be your spouse that you try to resolve that with. Okay? But if I can't fix it in two days, it still troubles me. I'm bothered. I know I am. I haven't gotten over it. Then I'm going to go ask for help because I I know in me that I, uh, I am a powder, okay? So I, I could like pout and be angry for a really long time if I let myself. That's true. I can just walk around with a little chip on my shoulder and just be pouty and upset. And I know that about myself. So I know if I allow myself to continue to let it bother me, I'm, it's only going to get worse over time. It's not going to get better. And if, and if I am a brooder, and if the problem is with your spouse, that's probably maybe not the person you have to go try to resolve that with. You know? So, so you find a brother. You find a sister. You find someone with sense, for goodness sake. Not a whole bunch of them, though. Yeah, that I go to, I'm a professional counselor and I go to counseling. I, I counsel because I can't fix my own stuff. I can fix everybody else's stuff in all the world. I can't fix my stuff, dude. I can't. I'm going to go get five more PhDs. I can't fix my stuff. That's why it's so upsetting. Do you all hear me? So I go get help. And that's my rule. Two days, if after two days I can't shake it, dude, I go get help because I know how I am and it's bad. So that's my own confession. It, it does touch a point that, you know, you're, you're in your marriage, in life, married, single, or whatever state you find yourself in, 
You need relationships. There, you need, don't, you can't ever, Proverbs 11, 1, the man who isolates himself rages against all wisdom. You cannot isolate yourself. You can, Christianity should not be lived in this little world where nobody knows what's going on in your life. You need to have accountability. You need to have brothers. Men, you need to have men in your life that'll, that'll tell you what. Women, you need to have women in your life. People they trust. They're not gossips. They're people of prayer. They're mature. Thank you so much, Mike. Praise God, dear. All right, good. Any other questions? Yeah, all the way up front, Anna. Oh, that was very kind of you, Pastor Gannon. <laughs> um, my question is, when you cannot come to a conclusion about something, and it's pretty big, and you guys are just, it's like the only issue, but you just can't come to a conclusion, you can't agree, what do you do? I think there's a number of ways to answer that. Um, so what I heard you say. Good one. Thanks. What I heard you say is, what do you do when you can't come to a conclusion about issues that you are discussing or trying to resolve in your marriage? Is that right? Uh, there's a number of things. One, pray. Two, I would say use the tools you're using here that you're learning here. Three, counsel. And, uh, and fourthly, um, well, I think that covers it. Pray, use the tools, and, and counsel. You know, we, my, my wife and I, some, some people think that counseling is like, oh, yeah, you, yeah, you had to go to counseling, huh? Well, why not? I've never stopped. I don't think I've ever stopped going to counseling. I got counseling uh, the other day from Dr. Morocco. I'm the, I'm the 32nd counsel guy. Simple. I listen, I obey, and I get great breakthroughs. It's pretty simple. I've got this situation. I've got this circumstance situation happened. I told him what it was, told him what happened. He said, well, what you might want to consider is this, this, and this. And uh, what we've done, what I've done in the past, why don't, you, why don't you think about that, pray about that, Pastor? I go, whoa, that's like, I didn't even think about that. That's like wisdom that's beyond my years and experience. You know, so I went, I prayed, I did it, boom, results. Woohoo! problem over. So counsel's great, praying, using the tools. Does that answer the question? Could I? So could I? Sure. Uh, I'm stubborn about things uh, sometimes, <laughs> strong will. Anyway, and, you know, there's just some times when, uh, you know, we'll have to go to bed and we'll have be unresolved in a particular issue or something. You know, some things are more heavy duty than others, of course, but ultimately, uh, you know, we do those things. We pray, we... Um, agree to disagree for the moment, but still pray and just know that we're going to come to a resolution just so that we can have peace and not go to bed mad and all that kind of stuff. I'm just saying if it's going on for a few days and just pray and let the Lord talk to you. And somebody's got to be willing to die, basically. I mean, both people, I mean, have to be willing to 
change or I mean really just die that's the truth of the Bible that. says to prefer one another you know to prefer one another to read through 1 Corinthians 13 a it few says times. esteem the other more highly than yourself yeah it's and one it, of my it's, favorite it, scriptures. it can be really hard <laughs> yeah in counseling they call it an impasse I-M-P-A-S-S-E impasse and the impasse is where you can't you can't resolve it you've come to an impasse you can't agree you used all the tools you have you sat there you still can't agree you can't conclude the issue you're at an impasse at an impasse I would seek professional help I would I would seek out somebody such as myself or somebody like me who can help you clarify those issues because it might be a deeper thing to you than the thing you're trying to fix okay do you all understand what I say by that? It might be a deeper thing. And so the thing that you're trying to resolve is not going to really resolve the deeper issue, which is why you keep having the issue. Because if you could resolve it the way that you're choosing to resolve, you wouldn't have a bigger problem. So that you have to go get help for that. And the things that I'm blind to in my own life, no matter what it is, dude, I'm blind to it. <laughs> right? So you have to have someone who can help pull that thing out of you. And then one great thing Pastor Karen said, which is, which is really a valuable thing, is, is the importance of agreeing to disagree. Because if I agree to disagree with you, you, you see it how you see it. I see it how I see it. We're not going to fix it. You went to counseling. You did all the stuff to try to resolve it. Agreeing to disagree is still agreeing. And how can two walk together unless they agree? The enemy's plan is to get you in disagreement because one can put a thousand to flight and two ten thousand. The moment we're not in agreement in our relationship, I just lost my nine thousand. But if we're in agreement, even though we're disagreeing, you're still in agreement. And there is power in agreement. So you can't let the enemy rob you. You can't let him rob you. And whatever, men are from Mars and women are from Venus, whatever. I don't know why God did that, but so you can die. That's probably why he did it. <laughs> Good. We got about uh, four minutes left. Did that help you at all? Rick and then Dawn. Uh, can you, can you do... Uh, <laughs> Can you define counseling? Now, to me, uh, if I need help or something, I go to my mentor, or do I go to the church somewhere else, like a, an elder or somebody, uh, like, who do, uh, define counseling to me as far as... Well, for me, I'm, I just believe in fixing stuff, so I, that's a great question. Thank you for sharing that. I would go up the chain of command, you know, if you can, if you can resolve it in your small group, great. If that doesn't work, then you go up the chain of command. Then you go up the chain of command, you come talk to pastor. If it's still not resolved, then you go find professional help. And by what I mean by professional help is people who do it for a living. All I do is talk to people and help people learn to talk. That's my professional role in my life that God has gifted me to help you resolve issues and so not every pastor is trained like that I have a little framework um, if, I, if I may a little framework for me 
um, if I have issue, I have something that happens that I need uh, healing from or resolved, um, here's my first, this is my first go-to person. So I'm talking, my wife's my best friend. We don't have any secrets. We talk about everything. She prays for me, I pray for her. And there are occasions when in the ministry that we have together as a husband and wife that I, it, uh, I don't get the resolution. I still, I'm still struggling with the thing or whatever it is. And there's, and there's a myriad of examples. At that point, I'm reaching to some of the, uh, my brothers. I've got, a band, uh, I've got a band of rough and tough, accountable dudes that will jump on a plane right now and show up the next available flight if I need them. He's one of them. I've got about five of them, four or five. He's one of my closest ones right here. Who's helped me at times profoundly through my entire salvation from the time I was saved. I've known him since I came in the church. So uh, then I, I've done that, but then, then there's the silver bullet. And what I mean by the silver bullet for me is uh, Dr. Morocco is my spiritual dad. I've, I've never gotten, you know, I've never spent time with him where I haven't gotten a miracle. And then beyond that, there's 21-day fasts, 40-day fasts, and a combination of both. And God will always bring you through and will always deliver you, heal you, set you free, and put your feet where they need to be. And I've never seen one exception, and Scripture says the same thing. So that there's a, there's a hierarchy of, you know, does that make sense? I mean, if it still lingers and you've gotten the counsel and you've done everything you could, well, it's time to fast and pray then. And I've never seen something linger and stay around on a fasting and pray. It always gets its neck broke, its toast, and I walk in victory. I've always seen that. I've never seen that. Not, not one situation, and I've got hundreds to talk about that God hasn't done that for me. Yeah. Uh, as women, I notice nobody in here, of course, but uh, I have noticed before that there are women that are really bothered and having difficulties in their marriage or relationships and they'll go to many different women and so pretty soon you'll have like 20 women that all know your marriage problems and what um, I don't advise doing that I advise doing the chain of command thing that they both spoke about you know talk to somebody that's you know your small group leader if you feel somebody that's safe and trustworthy don't go and bash your spouse or somebody and don't do it on Facebook either if you ever want your like say you know I've, I've seen women who have gone through terrible things and they're bashing their husbands on Facebook and you totally I mean you just humiliate them and then any hope of restoration that man's respect is gone I mean it's just terrible so just throwing that out there and sometimes you have to just submit in faith yeah. you have to just submit in faith and I trust God in faith. So, all right, we're, we're about out of time. Dawn. Well, this was kind of actually answered a little bit, but um, how important is it not to go to bed mad at your spouse? And also, what if there's, you know, you got one person who believes that, you know, who can't seem to go to bed when there's strife, and then the other one that's snoring? Not to name names. Not to call you out. I'm the one that wants to go, that wants to hash it all out can, before can I, can bed. I share, can I share something real no. quick? No, Feel you un- can't. 
I'm the one that wants to go to, to have everything all worked out before I go to bed. I am. And I have to really get a hold of God. I have to dial myself back about certain issues. I have to just calm down and know that it's, it's not, there are some things. And first of all, you don't bring up heavy duty topics before bed because I'm convinced the enemy wants good to steal sleep. Right don't talk about money, raising kids, being a good wife, all the, I mean, just don't bring up that stuff during the, right before you're going to bed because you'll be up all night tormented about your failures Yay. and all that stuff. Can I get a witness? Amen. 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 And I, and I used to do that until I realized now I have teenagers and kids that are older and right before bed, it's like everything explodes right before bedtime right now. It's like when they were two, you know, cause we're all tired and stuff. So anyway, I have to dial myself back agree not to have any big conversation. Now I'll talk to you tomorrow when we'll talk to, about this when we're not upset or tomorrow when we're rested. And what I heard you say is how important is it to not go to bed with an unresolved issue? To Sorry, go to I should have said that first. My bad. That's okay, sweetheart. Okay. Uh, I think it's vital importance, but to understand that what Jesus is saying about not letting the sun go down on your wrath is give, and give the devil a foothold is the scripture, is giving him a, a base of operation. So let that motivate you. Let it motivate. Let, it needs to motivate us that by letting, and it's really not some, I know, you know, the sun's gone down already somewhere in the world. Okay, so the, the idea is that you give a time limit. There's a limitation of how long you're going to remain angry or upset over an issue. You have to let it go. Does it mean when the sun goes down specifically, the sun's, I mean, come on, you could be angry all day. If you live, in the, you live on the barrel, then you're going to be angry forever, right? So, right, in the summer, you just always, you can always stay angry all summer long, you know, and then, and then, right? So it's putting a time limit on, <clears throat> on your anger. And so um, men are usually able to either stuff it, compress it, or get over it quicker. Put it in a suitcase. Men are like waffles. Women are like spaghetti. It's the other way, right? We can compartmentalize things. It's important is the answer. And so and you do I your have, best to do that. Yep. And I have one other rule that may help you, which is fight naked. Because I have found in counseling, if you'll can you, fight naked. Can you define that? Take off all of your clothes, become naked. And then try to resolve your issue standing there butt naked. You will find that you're suddenly not as upset as you thought you were. And many times other activities ensue which don't involve fighting. So that's my rule. Fight naked because you're less inclined to continue well, thank to you. fight. Thank you for sharing that, doctor. We'll put that in our tool belt. That's rule number one, fight naked. And then rule number two is fight fair. Okay? No hitting below the belt, because it's not fair. Does everybody understand what I mean by that? And I'm, and I'm joking, it's funny, but I really mean it. T take off all your clothes and go try to have a little fight, because it ain't going to work. I'm just telling you. So that's my professional opinion. And then I charge you $100 an hour. Very good. <laughs> Guys are like, I'll pay you two fifty to tell her that. Right, would you all do me a favor? Don't put that on Facebook either. All right, don't put Doctor Gannon said fight naked. I did say fight. 
that's good. You put he it on your Facebook. He owns his word. He's right, owning Grace. his words. They're his words. We don't want it to be misconstrued. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We are done with time, all right? And so let's all stand up on our feet. I hope it's been fruitful and encouraging for you, and they probably won't remember anything else except for fighting naked. Yeah, glory to God. No, I'm sure you will. Great books. Take them home. Uh, if, you haven't, if you haven't gone ahead and uh, paid for that, would you please? Uh, it's out in the lobby. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you. Pastor Karen, would you come join me, please? Father, thank you for the marriages of our church here, KC. And thank you for the tools and the help that you've given us today. Bless these marriages. Bless our marriages, God. That we would contend and fight and honor marriage. It's your idea. It's your plan. Help us to be brave communicators. Help us to use active listening. and Not to be sidetracked or multitasking, but to really care enough to listen. And that, Lord, that we would see marriage and our marriage ministry part here at KC Alaska flourish and be strong for the glory of God holding out the word of truth in a crooked and a depraved generation. Bless our families, God. Bless our children. Bless our marriages, God, and the future marriages to come. God, we thank you. We praise you. Thank you for Pastor Michael Gannon, Dr. Michael Gannon. Bless our dear, dear brother, God, and the rest of the weekend. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for participating.